0: Turn in your Bibles, please, to Titus. We're going to be reading the end of chapter 1 and starting chapter 2. We're going to begin a five weeks, Lord willing, in in chapter 2. A big transition in the letter. So we're going to read Titus chapter 1. 16 through 2, 1. The Word of God says, speaking of the the false teachers that are on Crete, Paul says, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable. Disobedient, unfit for any good work. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, I cannot think of a more comforting truth. than the truth that you will hold us fast. May we cling to Christ. May we cling to Christ as we study your word. God, as we speak about doing good deeds and being devoted to good works, There is a fear in my heart that we may think that we can put our hope in what we do and not in Christ alone. So drive that from here, God. Drive that deception from this room, from my heart, as we understand and seek to understand what it means to to do things that are devoted to sound doctrine and aligned with sound doctrine, may we only in each thing keep our mind and our eyes on Christ and what he has done, his powerful work, his work within us, working in us to be devoted to good works. Help me, Father. Please help make this passage clear. Your word is truth. We trust in that. May your word shine forth. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. This sermon in some ways is an introduction to chapter 2. Where Paul makes a big transition in the letter. He is... Focusing on the church and how we should live, how the Cretan church should live, how we should live and it's a it's an introduction and um, and it sets up the entire thought of of the entire chapter, teach what accords with sound doctrine, and then he's going to list all these different teachings and so we need to understand this very well, I think in order to understand the whole chapter so This is a bit of an introduction, and we'll go back to it, um, Lord willing, throughout the next four weeks after this. There's a statement I read recently that has been very helpful in my life. Um, It's that Christian teaching is for travelers, not for bystanders. I, I got that idea from the preface to... Um, the book called Knowing God, which we've been studying on Thursday morning by J.I. Packer. In the, in the preface to the book, which you don't normally read, right? But in the preface of the book, he says something worth reading. He he prevent, presents a really helpful picture of two ways in which a person can view Christian teaching or how, how we should live. Um, if you picture a road, and on the road, um, the, the, there's there 's a road, and then beside the road there 's a house and on the ho- in the house there 's a balcony and Then he describes two kinds of people in that setting there 's one person who views Christian teaching or Christian doctrine from the balcony as a bystander looking down on the road. Um, the bystander observes Christian teaching as as a theoretical exercise of the mind it 's in theory, however. In front of that balcony is a road, and on that road is a Christian. The Christian is on the road because he knows that what he believes about God is taking him somewhere. It's taking him somewhere. He doesn't view Christian teachings as something merely theoretically to observe and ponder The teachings of Christianity are his lifeline. Because he's on a road. He's going somewhere. They're guiding his steps down the path of life. The Christian faith is the practice of truth. It is not merely a theory to observe from a balcony. The Christian faith is for travelers. Not for bystanders. So in this passage as we see it. Sound doctrine. Sound doctrine. I could say that it always has implications. Practical implications for our life. That we need to be taught. And we need to apply. And so in Titus 2, one, Paul is telling Titus that. As opposed to all the false teachers. Who uh, oppress the Cretan churches. With unsound teachings. Titus has to commit himself. Commit himself to teach. The churches there to be Doers to be doers of deeds that align with God's sound doctrine. The good works, which Titus is to teach, they're only good if they're shaped by the sound doctrine of God. He's got to be submitted to that. And so the goal, I think, for us, we need to see what travelers know. What do they know? What do Christian travelers on the road know? What do they see about God? What do they see about good deeds? What do they know about doctrine that shapes them? Shapes them to not merely think in theory, but be, in, be practicing good deeds. We stand in that same road. So if Paul and Titus are on a road, we're on that same one. We're centuries ahead. But as Ridgeview Bible Church we must teach and observe behaviors, actions, lifestyles that are submitted to the word of God. And so there's an urgency for us as we read this passage. I think if we understand the connection between sound doctrine and the Christian life, God, by faith, will shape us. He'll shape us to be travelers, to be travelers, not bystanders of the word. So let's look at five things travelers know. What do they know about good deeds? What do they know about sound doctrine? What do they know about teaching that shapes their lives? Number one, travelers know that God's sound doctrine is their only source. For doing good deeds. If they want to do good deeds, good works, they must go back to one source, and it's God's sound doctrine. We've described it a little bit before in this series, but I think it's helpful to define doctrine. Doctrine is a set of beliefs, specifically Christian doctrine is beliefs that the Christian church holds and teaches. The word literally for doctrine in this passage is teaching. Doctrines, and they're generally, we use the word doctrine because it's usually widely accepted teachings. They help us define what the church is and what it is not. Without doctrine, you do not have Christianity. No matter how we feel about that word or how it makes us feel, you have to have doctrine to have Christianity. Without a constitution, you do not have a country. Without a leader, you don't have followers. Without food, you don't have a meal. Without a curriculum, you don't have a class. Doctrine is essential, and it's absolutely essential in the Christian life. The most foundational doctrine or teaching revealed in God's word is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul is committed to that. If you remember um, the pre- previous, some of the previous messages... The doctrine most foundational is the gospel of Jesus. It is the doctrine of all doctrines. Everything flows from the truth of the person and work of Jesus Christ. This is the doctrine of all doctrines. God's word teaches us that salvation is only available under heaven through one name, through faith in the person and work of Christ. This is very helpful to remember. Because as I said, we're, through the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at the remainder of this chapter, and it's all practical stuff. It's practical stuff. How should you, how should you uh, old men, how should you live? Older women, how should you, uh, how should you treat other, t- and, and relate to other younger women? Young men, Titus, how do you relate to your boss? Very practical stuff, rooted in, the person and work of Jesus Christ. So this is what Paul means by he's saying teach what accords with sound doctrine in chapter 2 verse 1 there. The what is the everything uh, in verses 2 through 10, the rest of the chapter, teach these actions, these behaviors. The content of our of our teaching should be these these good deeds that are aligned. They must so all of those teachings in two one through ten they should be shaped by they should fit with the sound doctrine of God. They must be submitted to, surrendered to God's doctrine. And if they're not, they're not worth teaching. I want to note that Paul doesn't say here that simple simply live, living a moral life is is uh, the obedience to sound doctrine. Paul does not say that. It's got to be, surre- your, your, your action has to be surrendered to God's sound doctrine. So being nice, living a moral life, apart from your faith in Christ, not sound. That's not, that doesn't equate, equate sound doctrine. Nebraska nice does not equate sound doctrine. These doctrines, these truths, rest on the doctrine of all doctrines. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Really quickly, I want to show a a practical application of what this means. So it means that when you're commanded, um, older women are going to be commanded by Scripture to not be drunkards. Now, when you're commanded by Scripture to not be a drunkard, if that is in accordance with the sound doctrine of God, you can ask yourself, what is it about the gospel of Jesus? What is it about the truth of the gospel, the truth that Jesus died for me? What is it about that? that shapes how I put things into my body. And then you fight drunkenness for Christ. Sound doctrine has implications for how we live. It's for travelers. Bert, Pastor Burt mentioned last uh, two weeks ago, the word sound, it could be, Translated as healthy. So we've got sound doctrine, not just any kind of doctrine. And it's synonymous in, in Paul's letters for things like, word like true or um, correct. And, and really the reason Paul uses that word here is because of false teaching. Every time he, he uses that word for sound, it's always in connection and in relation to false teaching. And in, in through 16 of Titus, we see a lot of false teaching. And so it's necessary for him to say sound or healthy or true or correct doctrine because there's false teaching out there, which we are familiar with today. There are things being proclaimed in the name, people professing to know God that are actually denying God by what they teach and how they live. And so the word sound there is a, is a, a signifier, a something that gives us some distinction from the false doctrine things that are being taught what makes paul's doctrine sound as opposed to the others his doctrine this doctrine is rooted in the trustworthy word as taught Um, titus 1 9 is a real um, springboard for this section and the others Elders are to hold firm, if you see that there, to the trustworthy word as taught, so they may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and to rebuke those who contradict it. And lo and behold, right after that, he says, you should rebuke the false teachers. And now, in chapter 2, verse 1, he's saying, teach, instruct. It's a helpful springboard for us. So, the Bible, the word of God, it's our source. It's the source for this Sound doctrine, it's this teaching. So when God speaks, he always speaks what is true. He always speaks what is faithful and trustworthy. And so when we see that Paul says, teach what accords with sound doctrine, we can know, looking back, that that sound doctrine is rooted in the word of God, which is a faithful, trustworthy word. Good deeds are sourced, sourced in sound doctrine. This is a truth that, that aligns with the Reformation doctrines. One of them, sola scriptura. Scripture alone. The scriptures are our source for truth. So we base our teaching in the word of God alone. Not, not truth plus tradition. Not truth plus man's opinion. We go to the word of God and we, and we, and we find teaching about Christ in it. We find teaching for how to live we go to that one source. It's a wonderfully comforting thing to have one source to go to. You can li- we, we do live in lives that are generally unstable. We do not know what tomorrow will hold. Our own experiences, um, the strength of other people, those things can wane very quickly, right? Right? But as a a follower of Christ, we can live amidst that uncertainty. We can live in stability and hope when we are surrendered to God's word. Because we have one source. A source that carries us through suffering. A source that carries us through victory, through questions about life. We have one source. And it points us to Jesus Christ. It gives us hope. So we can, in the instability of life, we can, have, we can have stability because there's one source. One source that we turn to amidst all the questions. We can reject the idea of relative truth as well. Or my truth. That's not a thing. Truth is not relative. Relative. Based on the opinions of man or the current of the culture, we go to one source. When we start to seem outdated with the culture, we don't reevaluate our trendiness based on what the culture thinks. We go to one source, no matter the cost. It's very helpful for a church to know and believe today. One source. And it judges all of our truth claims. And this source, it calls us and it keeps us. Christ, by the power of God, by faith in him. We have the gospel from this source. We have the sustaining power of the spirit proclaimed to us from this one source. On your deathbed, hope of eternal life from one source. You don't have to leave this place. You don't have to leave the Word of God for other comforts. We are very tempted to at times. But sound doctrine from start to finish, reliable, one reliable source. Doesn't that make you want to know the Bible? Makes me want to know the Word of God. I've been so encouraged over my life by having questions and bringing them to a godly mentor, usually a man. And I've got all these questions, and then they open up the Word of God, and it's all clear. The Word of God can make unclear things clear. How should we live? Let's live in the book. That's our source. If, 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 if our only guide for living comes from the sound doctrine of God, why would we neglect that? And it can be so easy to neglect. I don't understand it. I, I don't have time. But it's our one source. It's all... It's what we cling to for, for the truth. And this is a, a real call for, for leaders, for me, for anyone teaching. If we leave this source, we're in trouble. That's what false teaching is called. Leaving the one source. If we neglect the word of God our instruction will be anemic. If we just start teaching moral truths that are not connected to the, to the gospel of Christ, anemic. And we'll see later on that if you, if you neglect sound doctrine, you will not do good deeds. Secondly, travelers, so first was, it's our source. Travelers know that, that sound doctrine is our source, our, our soul source. Next, um, they know that Christianity involves teaching and learning. Paul tells Timoth- or Titus to teach what accords or what fits or what promotes sound doctrine. They teach and learn things that accord with sound doctrine. What does he mean by teach? The word he actually uses there is speak. Speak. And I think contextually you can see that he's, he's saying speak through or teach through speaking. Use your use your words to um, communicate true true teachings founded in the Word of God. However, because he uses that word um, speak, I think there's an extra indication that not only formally or, or in on in church on Sunday, but in all of life, let what comes out of your mouth be a form of teaching. And, and correcting and instructing in the church. So formal, informal, public, private. We want to seek to build one another up in sound doctrine in all of life. So absolutely yes as we teach. Absolutely yes as, as the word is proclaimed. But also afterwards when we eat dinner. And late at night after Bible study. And we, we teach and correct. Who should teach? The, the, the indication clearly is, is Titus. Um, very emphatic, very contrasting from, the, from chapter 1. You yourself teach, but you yourself teach, Titus. So, amidst that false teaching, Paul's saying to him, false teaching coming into the churches. He's saying, "Those teachers—they have flashy, flashiness. Maybe they're, they're drawing people away, but they have no substance. So you go back to the Word of God. You rebuke, and then you teach. Doesn't matter if they're gaining a crowd. Doesn't matter the circumstances. You focus on teaching sound doctrine." I've been benefited personally very greatly from that reminder. In applying this to our church, this absolutely has implications for how the word of God is proclaimed. Here in Sunday school, in youth group, in small group, we should focus on teaching the truth. And we should be guarded against and accountable to teach it. That's a good way to help me as as a preacher. Number three, travelers know that our deeds are a defense. Travelers know that our deeds are a defense of the faith, specifically teaching them and proclaiming them. If you look back to one sixteen, he says they, those false teachers, they profess to know God, but they deny him by their works and then skip ahead. But you, but you teach. So teaching and this lifestyle is a defense of the faith. So there's urgency here. Teach things urgently because doctrine is at stake. If you do not speak the truth, your church will be overcome by error. If Titus, Titus fails to do this, People may lose their lives. They may, they may lose their souls if they do not surrender to the sound, if we do not proclaim the sound doctrine of, of God. So it's a way to fight back. We fight back error by teaching what is true. And as we teach what is true, we do, uh, the, the response of faith is to obey and to live, and that also becomes a defense of, of the faith so we defend the faith when, when lives that are taught by steeped in sound doctrine um, we defend them when those things um, when we result in action when we when we obey we defend the truth defend the faith number four travelers know that our deeds are a reflection of what we believe And this is connected to to number three. So the people of God are to live and behave in such a way that they show that their faith is in God. So in one sense it's a defense, in one sense it's a proof. It's a defense of the faith, it's highlighting the truth of God. And in another sense it's it's showing and proving that our faith is genuine. And this is from uh, 116. They profess to know God, but what's wrong with it? What's wrong with their profession? They deny him by their works. Something's not clicking in their profet- between their profession and their action. They're denying God by their works. Paul, on the other hand, wants Titus to teach people to act in accord with what they believe. Their deeds should bear the image of what they believe about God. The false teachers deny God by what they do. We don't. We show that we believe in God by what we do. This is important for us to see as we confess, um, but it's also a very uncomfortable statement to hear, I think, in in some ways. It makes us uncomfortable to know that God expects good works to come out of our our lives, specifically because we believe that we're saved by faith alone. I'm not working. I prayed this morning that we would not leave here and still pray that we don't leave here thinking, oh, I just got to do these boxes, check these boxes, and then God will love me. We believe we're, we're saved by faith alone. You can't offer your good deeds to God in order to be saved, in other words. You can't, we're not legalists. But the Bible's filled with these commands filled with these commands to do good deeds. Christians are commanded to do and told that they will do good deeds. And they're not ever described as optional. They're never described as optional. I've never read optional good works. One of the the final commands, I forgot to give it to to Cole, sorry, but one of the final commands Jesus said uh, as he ascended into heaven in Matthew 28, teach them, to obey all that I commanded you. It's in the Great Commission. And later in Titus, Titus 2.15, Paul's going to say, we're saved to be a people that are zealous for good works. I don't think I often feel that way. It's, It's easy to be deceived. We understand that logically though, conviction, faith, what we what we believe in would lead to real change in our actions. And the, Bi- the Bible's clear on this point. It's very clear. The Apostle James says that faith without your works is dead. So in other words, faith, uh, works are an evidence of faith. Jesus says that people's deeds, their fruits, will, be, will identify them as true or false, the fruit of their life. If you profess to know God but deny him by your works... Paul says right here, you're not believing sound doctrine. There's something disconnected there. If the, the product of our knowledge, the product of what we know is not good deeds, there's a disconnect. There's great hope in the gospel for us because though we understand naturally in our human strength, in our human opinions, in our human uh, wherewithal, um, we are absolutely unable to do anything good. Good deeds do not come naturally. However, they do, in the life of a Christian, naturally spring from the power of the, the Spirit working in us by faith. And that happens when we believe here and believe the sound doctrine, the truth of the gospel, or another. you could say it another way, um, good deeds are the result of a life that has surrendered to Christ. So we set our hope in Christ, and we set about doing by the power of, of Christ, by the power of the Spirit working in us, by the power of God, the power of a changed life. It's not done within ourselves. So good works, they're not a contradiction to faith. They're not a contradiction to faith. They are evidence that faith is at work. They're grace-empowered, grace-empowered fruits, grace-empowered fruits that come from, from faith. Lastly, number five, travelers know that obedience to God's sound doctrine is a means to glorify God. This is a very hopeful point. I think in other words uh, we could say it another way when we do good deeds which accord or fit or align or submit to sound doctrine we glorify we magnify we make much of God not of ourselves we make much of God when we obey God's sound doctrine how does this passage show that? how does it show that we glorify God? how does it show that we glorify God? if you look at the end of verse uh, one, chapter two, verse one. Teach things, what do you teach? You teach things that specifically accord with sound doctrine. Now ask yourself, if I align the way that I live my life, if I imitate, if I submit and surrender my life to this sound doctrine, which comes from God, what does that say about the value what does that say about the worth of that thing which I am surrendered to? When we submit to God's sound teaching and actually use his teaching, use it in my life, abide by it, surrender to it. When we show, when we do that, we show the gloriousness, the goodness. The wonder of God, we display the glory of God. We do this practically with many things. We do this, when, it, when a product works, we promote it. When things, we, we, when there's something that we love, maybe it's a food, we, we talk about it. You gotta try that. If there's cherry cheesecake that Juanita made, and we're eating it today. Are we eating it today? you got to try it. It's good. It's going to be gone, unless you're first in line. We're making much of it. This is good doctrine from God. And when I surrender my life and submit to it, I'm not just a deed-doer. I'm a promoter. I'm an advocate. I'm an advertisement of God's goodness. He is good, and I show his goodness by following him. I show that he is good. You cannot glorify God by being a bystander. You glorify God when you soak in, when you surrender to, surrender your whole life to and apply This teaching on the road. You got to be a traveler. We're going somewhere. Our imitation of God's doctrine, that imitation, it's a means, it's a way in which we make much of God, we glorify God. I think a good question for us to ask and ponder is, are my deeds under the control of God's sound doctrine? Am I surrendering and submitting my life to the doctrine of God? Am I going to other sources? Am I looking elsewhere for hope, for life, for answers? Moral living, Nebraska nice, is not the same as submitting to sound doctrine. We know a lot of people in a moral sense. in 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 many senses, we are all moral people. However, deeds are not truly good if they are not submitted to God's sound doctrine, to the gospel of Christ. Sourced in the truth, shaped by teaching, defending the faith, proving faith, glorifying God, this is for travelers this is truth for travelers and we must live by it and we should live surrendered to it and so as we walk into these next few weeks and looking and look at these the application of this how does it look in our life let's let's focus how does this how how, how are those commands how are those commands rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we may make much of God let's pray You're so good. In all that you do, God, you are good. We praise you. We thank you. We thank you that you have revealed yourself. We are not uh, left alone. We have your revelation, God. You have spoken. You have spoken finally. You are true. May we center our lives on you, God. May we not hope in ourselves. May we not hope in our abilities. May we hope in Christ and live. Live for your glory, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.